Brad and Glenda Pius. Thank you so much for sewing into Morning Drive Bible. Without your commitment and support, this initiative couldn't come to fruition. Good morning from Jerusalem. My name is David Nekrutman. And my name is Scott Kahn. And welcome to Morning Drive Bible. Scott, with all these harmonies that you've been dealing with in the last podcast of absence and presence and fullness and emptiness, you sound like Sam and Dave and the Righteous Brothers. I'm losing this loving feeling for you, Scott. Oh, man, that was bad. That was bad. I think I'd rather hear the sound of silence. Simon and Garfunkel. There we go. I'm actually a Simon and Garfunkel fan. Are you? I'm very much a Simon and Garfunkel fan, but I'm more of a Sam and Dave. I like the R&B and and blues. I hear that. I like jazz. I do like jazz. I do like R&B. But there's something about Simon and Garfunkel. I guess it's Paul Simon's composition, the quality of the songs. I think you use these songs to help for your Shabbat experience as it's going out into Saturday night and you're feeling very bluesy because the amplified soul that we experience on Shabbat is going. Yeah, perhaps. I can't say I've actually used it in that way, but maybe this week I'll try it. It sounds like a good use of it. In our last podcast, you left off with a cliffhanger, correct? That's right. This cliffhanger was keeping me up all night. The question of why darkness, which represents God's absence in Genesis chapter 1, verse 2, and then afterwards he creates... His fullness, his giving through the concept of water. That's right. That's where you left off last podcast. Why should darkness, which seems secondary, be created before the concept of water, which is God's giving, which seems to be the primary idea? I would have wanted it, if I were reading the Bible, to say that God's presence, his giving, is first, and then, when necessary, God's absence is brought into the equation. Why would God's absence be primary by being placed first in the verse? Why would I want fullness to be before absence, from your perspective? I'm trying to understand even the question you're asking. Well, David, when we think about God's fullness, when we think about God's presence, what we think about is his giving, his kindness, his mercy, his allowing us to exist, his giving everything that we have. That seems to be the attribute of God that we, to put it in simple terms, like the best. That's the one that we want. When God is absent, our job is to try and get rid of that absence. We don't want to maintain his absence. So while absence is important, it seems to be secondary in terms of philosophical primacy. But Scott, God is not an ATM machine that we're here always to withdraw from him. I mean, like, so help me understand your question. So you're thinking that God is just all about the giving and the giving? Not at all. But that is our primary way of relating to him. The secondary way of relating to him is understanding that he's there despite his apparent absence. But in the primary way that I want things, our job is to show that he actually is giving even when it seems that he's holding back, to show his presence when he appears to be absent. If you think about how that works in a theological level, that means that presence is more important than absence. Absence is a necessary necessary evil, perhaps, in order to allow for presence. Wow. This is an amazing way of looking at the Bible, but you didn't write the Bible, and you're not God, and God decided a different order. He decided to create the absence of himself— and then later, the fullness of himself. Obviously, I don't know if anyone can answer this fully, but my take on this is that God is, so to speak, naturally one who gives. 
obviously we can't really talk about God, but to the degree that we can say anything, we say God is the one who gives us existence. He's the creator. That's the most simple way of understanding who God is vis-a-vis us. Since God's natural tendency is to give, therefore, if darkness had not been made, there wouldn't be creation at all. In other words, if God is the only existent, then there can't be creation until there is in a manner of speaking, room for something else. If God created presence first, there's no need for that. He's already present. So first God created his apparent absence. But his apparent absence is a great kindness because only thereby could creation actually take place. By first blocking himself, hiding himself, he's making room for the universe, for all of us to exist. So that had to come first. Once that came into being, he then allows himself to be present within that absence. So that's why water comes second. But what's amazing is in between the absence and the presence is Ruach Elohim. The harmony, the balance between these two ideas. God's absence seems to us to be an evil, something which is unwanted, but it allows the world to exist in the first place. It allows us to be here. It allows us to do our job, which is to show that the absence is only a veil. It's not real absence. It's an apparent absence. And therefore, even though it's secondary in terms of philosophical primacy, it was the first thing that was created because without it, there wouldn't be anything except for God. So there is fullness in absence. Absolutely. Whoa. And if we were able to pull aside the veil, we would realize that there's no absence at all. It's all a type of illusion. It's something which God created in order to allow us to think that he's not there. But it's not really true. I think as a listener hearing you right now, I'm doing a Keanu Reeves. Whoa. (laughs) My name is David Nekrav. My name is Scott Kahn. Greetings and blessings from Jerusalem. 